All right, you're back in the DFSR with an NFL podcast on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie, that is James Davis. And we are going to be talking week three cash game plays for FanDuel and DraftKings, talking about those 50-50 contests, uh, the double-ups, whatever you want to call them. We call them cash. People have different names for them, like I said, 50-50 double-ups. We're going to be talking about some safety on a slate that really feels anything but in a week where it feels like everyone's injured and it feels like there's more uncertainty around a week three than I've felt in a while. And we can get into you know what some of those problems were. We did do a week two recap podcast on uh, or yesterday, so you can go back and listen to that. And we will be doing a game-by-game podcast tomorrow where we kind of roll through the injury news and notes for everybody. But today we're going to go position by position. I don't know, when, when you were looking at this week, I, I feel like we have a bunch of question marks out there right now in terms of just where the safety lies and maybe just like lineup construction might be a little trickier this week than in other weeks. What are your thoughts when you kind of look at the breakdown? Because we, we always break up these articles and we kind of write a couple positions each and try to focus mm-hmm. in on our, on our kind of zone. But when you look at the kind of the way things are starting to shake out early, what were your overall thoughts? I, I was getting... I felt like I was pretty locked in for the first two weeks. I'm not sure I'm totally there yet for this week. Yeah, it seems like we're a player short or so. Uh, when I was looking at lineups, uh, you know, in an effort to write those cash game articles, like it kind of seems like you sort of run out of money and then you might be messing around in that super cheap wide receiver range, which isn't where I'd like to be come kickoff on Sunday. So, yeah, we probably still have a little bit more finagling to do. But that being said, I think we can still pin down a few good plays going into the week here. It is interesting because at this point, and it's crazy that it's this early that we're saying this, for cash from a cash game perspective, we can already just start taking some of these teams and just completely eliminating them. Like, there are some teams that are just not going to be cash game viable for the whole season. The Dolphins, the Jets are trending toward this, this area. Those two absolutely for sure. Uh, I, I'm going to dare say the Giants are going to be getting close. They're bringing in a new quarterback. Maybe there's still some, some life to breathe into that team. Well, that, can, that can make the Giants worse, right? The Giants quarterback situation was so bad. That it it's tra- like- that, that's a good point. And, I, you know, it's funny, too, because we'll talk about Carolina. Like, uh, Cam has been so bad, too. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what these backups offer in terms of possible upgrades. I, it's crazy to say that. It was the nature of the quarterback position in the NFL. But some of these guys were just bottom of the barrel bad. I, let's start off with the quarterback. Okay, so I tried to be, I, I said in the, in the article, because I wrote up quarterbacks, about just trying to be intellectually and just salary-wise honest about where things were going. It's so clear. Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes are like easily the top of the class here in terms of cash game overall raw points. I don't think that is in doubt. I did not write them up, mostly because, one, we've just spent multiple weeks writing these guys up, and I nodded to them before I mentioned the other guys. Two, if I'm thinking about which position we really want to pay up at, I do feel like running back is going to be that position. But should I have just written these guys up? Like, I don't know. Are they just so clearly going to be the top two guys each week, like Jackson after what he's done on the ground and through the air, and Mahomes just basically what he's done for a season plus two games? Um, should they just be, like, locked into cash games at this point? Or are we going to be feeling okay maybe just spending that a little bit down on the scale? Yeah, no, I think – you're going to have to spend down somewhere. And I think if, you know, to lead the cash game article off here a little bit, I don't think it's the week to do it at running back. You know, I was kind of the person focusing on running backs. We'll get to them in a second. And there are some like decent lower mid-tier running backs that I think you can consider. So it's not that you rule it out altogether, but there are also just some high-tier running backs in really good spots that I, I think that's the position where you're going to want to pay up. 
Uh, wide receiver, uh, we actually do have a little bit of value cruising around at wide receiver right now, and but but not really enough to float. You know, two expensive running backs. You know, even you can't at that point. You just can't play three seven thousand dollar wide receivers. Let's say so. Uh, yeah, I, I think you gotta you gotta get your savings somewhere. I guess is what I'm gonna say. And while those two big quarterbacks just bring such a great floor to the table, I think you know the case you made in the article for. Uh, some of these other quarterbacks is having similar points per dollar floors, I think is pretty compelling. So do you want to hop into those guys now? Yeah, so the first guy I wrote up here is Kyler Murray, and I've been tempted to play him sort of around cash, even week one, sight unseen, just because I was going to put some faith into this Kingsbury offense. I'm glad we didn't, so um, no no problem there. It was I, had to be, I didn't have to be totally talked off the ledge when it came to week one, but I thought early on that it was going to have to be, and then the Lamar Jackson thing kind of popped up. But Murray is... For whatever you want to say about like the results in terms of the wins in ter- for the Cardinals, the Kingsbury offense has been every bit of the volume kind of offense that people thought it was going to be in terms of pace. They're allowing tons of opponent plays per, uh, plays per game. And Murray's just – he's already thrown for 657 yards in the first two games. I know one of those was an overtime game. He's thrown 94 passes in the first two weeks. 94 through two weeks. I mean, these are like insane just overall attempts. And I just think between the pace of play and – probably has actually run a little bit bad in terms of the touchdown passes, considering how many down and close situations they have had that they haven't converted. I think it's 7,200 and 5,800 on on FanDuel, 58 on DraftKings. I think that I'd be okay, a little bit more on DraftKings. I think I'd be okay just running him here against a Carolina team that might be compromised on offense too if they're going to play without Cam Newton. So I think I'm just okay. I actually think there's probably some work to be done with his uh, with him on the ground too. He hasn't r- rushed a, a ton yet, but that was that is probably part of his game. What are your thoughts here? I think that 58 on DraftKings has enough upside, and I just think the overall volume and how they've been using him in the offense means I think there's a pretty high floor here. Yeah, I really like Kyler Murray. I think that's a, a great play for this week. I think we haven't even seen probably everything he's capable of on the ground, and I think the passing has exceeded my expectations. I don't know how you feel about it, but I didn't expect, you know, a lot of people said he was actually a pretty good pocket passer in college. I don't watch that sport because, like, for the same reason I don't watch the WNBA or, you know, high school soccer or things like that. I just don't like to watch people that are worse at the game play the same game where I can just watch better players. But, um, but yeah, Marie has, has exceeded my expectations. Now, granted, the completion percentage hasn't totally been there. Right. Uh, a lot of that can be attributed to, you know, we're two games into the season, right? So one pretty inefficient start to the Detroit game can color the whole season-long completion percentage, so I don't want to get too carried away. But the fact that he could throw for 350 yards against a really good Baltimore defense and just put no touchdowns on the board whatsoever, that just doesn't seem sustainable to me. So I think that we'll see. Like, if he's going to throw for 300 yards a game, he's going to throw for more than one touchdown a game. So I think we get his overall price at a value right now because it's important to remember, early in the season, these FanDuel and DraftKings prices for rookies are based on nothing at all. Like, it's just a complete guess, right? And the way their algorithms work for pricing is that they don't like to make big jumps, no matter how little data they were working with to start the season. So rookies in baseball, basketball, football's this way as well. They just don't, their their prices are slightly adjusting off of a completely made up number versus a guy like, say, Patrick Mahomes, uh, where we have a full season's worth of data, right? So I think you could see Murray settle in as, in, say, an $8,000 quarterback on FanDuel, and that means, if, if that hypothesis is correct, um, that means we're getting him at like a 10% discount. So, sure. Yeah, Murray sounds good to me. 
All right, the second one I had to dig a little deeper into the old uh, convince you well, I think. And this is going to be a guy that was more of a pre, he was, he was a chalk play in week one uh, that we actually avoided, uh, much to our credit. And, but now I'm thinking there might be a chance to just go back to this guy. And I wrote up Jameis Winston. He's playing the Giants. He's been, he's been bad. So I'm just going to start off here. Mm-hmm. The first two weeks have not been great. Uh, they've not even really been that good. So I, I'm completely aware of this. Uh, I need not be – I, 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 I got it. Don't, don't need to say anything about it. I understand. And he gets a Giants, he gets a Giants team who is about as bad as it gets on defense. They have allowed they, – you know, they allowed a, 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 a pretty good game to Josh Allen last week. They got absolutely smoked by Dak Prescott in week one. The Giants' defense is terrible. They're coming with a rookie quarterback as well, though. Like you said, it's it's unclear if that, that could just be an upgrade. I think that Jameis, the Jameis hate may have gone a little too far because I just think he has had 10 days to prepare for this game. I think that really helps. Um, this is easily the worst defense they've ever had played. He still has two top options in Evans and Godwin, who, you know, for as much as many problems as they had so far, these are just two very good wide receivers. And I just like the matchup here. I think... I think he's, he's shown that he can have a good game, and if he's going to put it together, this is the week. I'm less convinced with him um, than Murray, and they're around the same price, so I would default to the Murray side of this. But when you see Jameis here, am I like pulling? Am I stretching this 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 case too thin? I, I get that it's not the strongest case ever, simply because the first two weeks for him have been pretty bad. So I think it would sort of be, you know, business level suicide to actually try to run Winston in cash game this week because that's just not a name people will see but or will want to see. But I do think there are some contextual factors, like you pointed out, in those first two games. I mean, the first one I'll say, too, is that that second Thursday night game of the season where you have to play three days later after your opening day is just an absolute beating. Like, to not be playing football all summer in any sort of meaningful way, play a game on Sunday where you get a little beat up, march out there three days later, no time to prepare for a still decent Carolina defense. I think uh, I'm willing to not throw out that second game, but take it with a grain of salt. And the fact that he's going up against a worse defense this week, I think the, sci- the the flashes we saw of Winston throwing to Godwin last week, or last game anyway, and the idea that like at some point this team will have to notice that Winston's just better on the short ball than the deep ball leads me to believe that we'll see better things from Winston going forward. And still don't be surprised if he drops those 10 to 13 point uh, weeks every once in a while, right? So I think for cash games, it probably is still too thin a case. But I think for big tournaments, I you know, the ownership is only going to keep going down on him if he performs like this. So uh, I'll take Murray for cash and I could think about Winston for big tournaments. Yeah, um, look, 27.25 implied points for Tampa Bay this week. I, the Brett, the rest thing really matters. People tend to over, uh, underrate this when it comes to projecting overall performances. Just getting those extra three days to prepare makes a huge difference, and the Giants are bad. I Look, it, it helps. it's helpful that they're in the same price range because, again, I agree with you that I would go Murray as well. Uh, I think there's a case for Josh Allen here too. And I had also written up Carson Wentz as a possibility if they were a little healthier at wide receiver, but it really looks like now Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey are both going to sit. So I just don't see a reason to do this with Wentz uh, with such a depleted wide receiver core. So I think these are my guys, and I think I'm just going to be rolling Murray here outside of, again, outside of the caveat that if a cheap play, like let's say both KC running backs or something like that sit and we get Darwin, uh, Darwin um, Williams going out there, then I – I, that would be the that would be the case where I would probably switch and otherwise I think that I'm fine going in this tier. Let's switch over to running back. How much safety is there in just in guys 
I mean, Zeke, oh, I can't even believe these lines. Minus 22 and a half favorite, is he now? Um, these, these lines that just don't even really make sense when, it, when you try to chart it out in terms of home field advantage and what the lines are going to be. But do you see Zeke as just a must-play against the Dolphins' defense? Is this like the clear guy that we want to pay up for? Yeah, probably. I think, you know, we I expressed some reservations going into last week about just how much Zeke would have the ball in his hands. He went out there and touched the ball 25 times against the Redskins. Um, it was sort of the perfect game script for a running back of his stature. You know, they were ahead, but not killing the Redskins. I think if the Dolphins fall so far, like say the Dolphins are down 20 points going into the fourth quarter, I suspect we'll start seeing some Tony Pollard. But it's not like the Cowboys have any track record of being cautious at all with the running back. So <laughs> I think, yeah, I think you can pretty much count on him. Uh, the thing you like here, too, is that uh, Zeke did get that goal line touchdown. So he's probably not at risk to getting vultured as much as some of these other guys. And yeah, I think taking that all together, if the Cowboys are going to be up huge in this game, you know, with Michael Gallup having gone down, it's really hard to imagine that Zeke isn't featured very prominently in that effort uh, before the blowout sets in. Yeah, I think this is just the guy I want to pay for. We've seen time and time again that these elite running backs just dominate when they can dominate usage. The, the, the field of them is so small that when you can really identify them and put them in theoretically the very most perfect big game script you could ever get with this insane this insane favorite because the Dolphins are so bad, I think we see Zeke as a chalk play. And I guess the only thing you're a little worried about is the blowout, and I think you're less worried about it because it really seems like if they're blowing him out that he's at least put up a pretty nice day. A famous last words, but that does seem like it would be the case. Now, after him, I... Am less enamored with some of these other names because of some context. I'm a little bit. We wrote up McCaffrey. You can try to make. I don't know if your case for him is as strong with the Cam. This we we released this earlier in the day. The Cam Newton news keeps kind of getting worse and worse. So we can talk about, you know, how confident you still are in that play. And then you wrote up a couple other guys and probably the next tier down and Eckler and Jones. Where do you want to start? Where do you feel? What are your thoughts on McCaffrey? Has it changed at all since the time we published this? Uh, with Newton trending more toward doubtful, it looks like at this point, than, um, than playing. Sure, I'll start with McCaffrey. I think, you know, I would personally prefer to play Eckler instead of McCaffrey, probably, um, for a case I can make in a second, just because the, you know, fantasy points per dollar, in my opinion, are a little bit more secure. And I think his role uh, with less quarterback uncertainty is probably a little bit safer. But when it comes to McCaffrey, I mean, you know, it's similar to the Eli Manning discussion we had earlier. When a quarterback is playing as bad as Newton's been playing, and I, you sent me uh, that the video of just him overthrowing McCaffrey by like, you know, whatever it was, 20 yards in the air. I can't remember exactly what was going on, but like Cam just made some terrible passes this season. Um, you know, McCaffrey is still the second most targeted running back in all of the NFL. And I don't mean through the air. I just mean generally. Like, So Le'Veon Bell has had more plays drawn up for him this season, but McCaffrey has been second highest. And he's great on a per-touch basis. Um, the Panthers are favored by 2.5 points here. So, you know, if they're two-and-a-half-point favorites over Arizona, again, those points have to come from somewhere. And if Cam is banged up and or missing the game, who's supposed to score the points? You know, like, it, it just almost has to be McCaffrey in that context. So, um yeah, so I think he's still. I'm still comfortable playing McCaffrey. I think if I'm, if I must decide between him and Zeke, which could be the case, uh, I will land with Zeke as well. But I think McCaffrey just as much upside as any running back this week, and arguably just as high a floor too. Yep. Again, it remains to be seen what is going to happen with Cam, and how much it affects him. I, I'm with you that it just doesn't always. It's not always going to be a one to one. This is a huge downgrade just based on 
uh, what Newton has already done or really not done so far this season. And you mentioned Eckler in terms of maybe wanting to just see Eckler or seeing Eckler maybe on, on, on par with some of these other guys in terms of just overall usage, in terms of the way the team is using him. He's coming slightly cheaper. He's not quite priced into that running back one tier yet. Uh, it remains to be seen if he still gets there. Continue performances, I guess, he's going to he's going to get into this tier. Um, but you, you're saying that you still see Eckler as kind of ringing in in terms of uh, the, the bell cow back without maybe being priced like one. Well, yeah, Eckler has been the highest scoring fantasy back of the season so far. Uh, he's filling in for Melvin Gordon, who at times looked like he would be the same. Uh, there was concern about a timeshare with Justin Jackson coming into the season. It really hasn't played out that way. Uh, the Chargers also three-point favorites against the Texans. So, you know, the game script ought to be in his favor. And listen, right now, uh, Eckler with 163 receiving yards, Doug, 47 yards ahead of the second place, Chris Thompson, who I don't think you're going to probably be playing in any format. Um, and then no one else is even over 100 receiving yards. So I think Eckler, he's probably game script independent at this point. He's got four touchdowns, which leads all running backs as well. I just think he's a phenomenal play. I think he's probably an $8,500 running back in his own right. And the fact that you can still get him for cheaper than that, uh, in my opinion, makes him you know, right behind Zeke as the most attractive running back play of the week. Uh, and then are we at all? We talked a little bit about this on the preview, the, excuse me, the week two recap podcast. But we have Aaron Jones. He's a big favorite here. He touched the ball an insane amount of times uh, relative to the snaps that he was on the field. Uh, I think he touched the ball something like sixty-eight percent of the snap yeah. of his snaps. Uh, he gets elite usage, but again, this was still very much a, you know from a being on the field standpoint, uh, a, a, not a complete one-to-one split, but more like a one and a half to one. Uh, split in terms of from him to Jamal Williams. He's a guy at 6,900, though, that maybe it's just, I don't know, it's just still worth it. Uh, and another guy that's out there is kind of Dalvin Cook. I'm not sure your opinion on him either. Uh, throw me out those two guys, and we'll move on to wide receiver. Yeah, so I think the case for playing either Cook or Jones is that you look at the savings that you take by paying down, say from you know Christian McCaffrey all the way down to Aaron Jones, freeing up $1,900 to spend at some other position, is usually pretty meaningful, right? So like right now, just the way their numbers are crunching, this isn't how lineups will necessarily shake out at the end of the week. But we've got like guys like Nelson Aguilar uh, poking around our top lineups. Well, if you don't want to pay less than $5,000 at wide receiver, which, you know, would be understandable, uh, you will have to get those savings somewhere. And I think, you know, Cook represents a decent savings from the top tier guys. Uh, Aaron Jones, we know that there are game scripts now where he's going to touch the ball almost 30 times in a game. Like that's very significant. And we know that maybe it won't happen sometimes too, but given the success he had last week, I'm actually fairly, fairly confident in Aaron Jones going forward. Uh, another guy, like I think looking at Jones, compare Aaron Jones right now at 6,900 to that huge cluster of running backs that were in the mid 7,000s going into week two, right? Um, we saw a ton of guys basically have one good week. Players like you know Chris Carson comes to mind, have one good week and jump from mid 6,000s to mid 7,000s. Aaron Jones just basically goes the other way, where he had his bad week, week one, and his excellent week, week two, except you still get him at a sub thousand dollar price tag because the, uh, you know, by hand overcorrected prices aren't as prevalent the further we go into the season. So, yeah, I'll play Aaron Jones. Um, I And admitting that it's not the safest play, but again, you just simply can't play all of the $9,000 players. So, uh, given that you can't do that, um, I certainly feel much more confident about Jones's floor at around 70000 than I would about, you know, some of these lower tier wide receivers. So yeah, that's pretty much the case. 
All right, let, we're going to get into wide receivers real quick uh, through the Overtime Media Podcast Network. want to give a quick shout-out to mybookie.ag. Uh, you can go over it and use the co- promo code OVERTIME. That's O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. And first-time users can double their initial deposit by using that promo code. So head on over to mybookie.ag. Buddy, they have a, a, my bookie. Just as a quick shout-out here to mybookie. I sent you this text last night. Mybookie has a, a, an, an NFL futures or NFL special line right now that had Teddy Bridgewater under six and a half wins as a starter, um, plus one fifty. But does that seem like a mistake? I mean, am I missing something here? Because I, 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 I couldn't wait to hammer this not line. Breeze is supposed to be back in six weeks. I, is there something I'm missing here with this thing? Or, or I, I love the guys over my bookie, but um, did that seem like weird to you when I said it? We'll get into the wide receivers in a second. I, but I want to give these guys well, a shout out. Maybe it's like a promotional thing to get people talking. That's the only thing I can think. Like, there's kind of like just giving a lot of overlay in a tournament or like a rake free million tournament or something. Like, uh, yeah, it seems like free money to me. I don't, I don't really know any other way to spell it. I mean, you could argue that even if Reese doesn't come back, Bridgewater might not win six. That was what I thought. Years, so. I was, that's what uh, I was like. I was like, I feel like I, I, I put that in anyway, my bookie. Look, I, I want to put my money where my mouth is on a, on a product I use. We do, it, we have it through, we have a sponsor through overtime. Uh, so I want to throw, I throw it out there anyway, but you got to know that uh, this is something we use uh, on our own as well. So mybookie.ag, double that initial deposit bonus. Use the promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with wide receivers. If you're headed to a game this year and you need tickets, there's only one place to go, and that's Vivid Seats. It's super easy. You go to the App Store, download the Vivid Seats app. You use the promo code OVERTIME. That's O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. And you save up to $100 on all ticket purchases, first-time customers only. Once again, Vivid Seats, use the promo code OVERTIME. It's that easy. Get tickets, go to the game. You won't regret it. We talked big money running backs, so I don't think we can just start talking about all the big money wide receivers because we just don't really roll that way with these articles. We've, I think we've, stuck, we've done a good job over the years, I have to say, of just being... I don't want to say honest because everyone should be honest about just when we write cash free with this, with this all stuff is all free. The podcast is free. The lineups are free. You can subscribe to our projection system. We all want to power that. But I, I feel like I'm just proud of us that we've for all these years have just been we put out we put out picks that you can just go into Sunday and you can make a lineup with the picks that we have. I, you don't really see this when you just, you know, these game by game breakdowns or everyone recommends everybody. It's the easiest thing ever to recommend the most expensive plays. Anyway, pat on the back for us. And we have some mid tier wide receivers to go through. I want to clear this one away first because I mentioned it yesterday. Is there any reason to not play Sammy Watkins at 7,100 on FanDuel and 6,800 on DraftKings? Is it, does it make you worried at all that those other wide receivers, uh, Hardman and Robinson, were the beneficiaries of the, sort of the, the getting in the end zone? Or is this just uh, – this one feels like an absolute layup to me, and I hate when I say that because it's usually doomed to just jinx myself into, into hell. But what are, what are your thoughts? Quick thoughts on Watkins. I see him as an absolute must play. <laughs> I think he's a terrible play. No, I think he's a great play. Um, you know, so right now – to make the case for Watkins we're getting a guy who's 45% owned last week who exceeded the potential target share that I think any reasonable person could have given him going into last week uh you know garnering 30 13 targets in that game that's just phenomenal target share for such a great offense and yeah he didn't get in the end zone but this is not like when running backs don't get in the end zone and you're sitting there and you're like oh yikes you know Brown grabs two touchdowns what a disaster right this is he just happened Mahomes just happened to hit Robinson for like 60 yard touchdowns and stuff like yeah that's going to happen from time to time with Mahomes so you know maybe your touchdown safety isn't as good uh 
as it would be on a team where you kind of dink and dunk and finally get down there and then you're the Jimmy Graham-esque uh, red zone target where you just always get your team's uh, red zone targets. So, yeah, I don't think it's anything to worry about, the fact that he didn't punch any in last week. He did have three touchdowns in week one against Jacksonville, so we know he's capable of it. And at a discount to last week's prices, I'm super psyched. I, you know, there's really no other way I can spell it, especially in a week where savings are at a premium. Uh, getting what I believe to be wide receiver one value in the low 7,000s definitely feels like a must play. All right, this next guy, let me just roll through this guy's resume right now for the, for this season. Forget like the career, for this season. This guy is third in the league in targets through the first two weeks. He is second in red zone targets through the first two weeks. He is on a team that I, I, I'm going to bury the lead here a little bit. He is on a team that has thrown for 657 passing yards, a number that you heard earlier in the podcast, through the first two weeks. And he's 50... Oh, I just had it improve. He's 59. He's a sub 6,000 on FanDuel, and he's 5,100 on DraftKings. Without even looking at the name, would you just play this guy and feel like everyone had made a mistake? Uh, you know I'm talking about here who this is, right? <laughs> yes, I know who you're talking about. Because uh, I've been making the case for him and beating the drum uh, for him since the preseason, and that's Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, I don't know. Like, he's another guy, right? If you look at his previous track record, you just you know, take a deep breath and you consider the, what the man has done in the past. This guy coming into last season had three straight years of 100 catches or more, not 100 targets, 100 catches. That is absolutely elite. He was one of the highest conversion rate guys during that stretch, you know, hauling in about 70% of the targets thrown his way. Last year in Arizona, the wheels very famously come off, you know, takes makes 25-year-old David Johnson look like, you know, just absolute dog poop. Uh, Fitzgerald does nothing at all. And then he marches out there this season and just gets right back on that same pace that we saw the previous seasons before that. I know at some point guys get old, and Fitzgerald's almost as old as I am, so he's getting up there. But the part where all of a sudden he's like absolutely cooked and can't do anything at all, I think if you believe that going into this season, you just weren't watching last year because it wasn't it wasn't his fault. The fact that he you know the conversion rate dropped, um, the targets went down, and yeah, it's very reassuring to see him slide back into that role this season. I don't think he'll finish the season with, you know, he's on a pace for a career high yards and, and so on and so forth. That probably won't happen, but yeah, he's still an incredible value at sub 6,000. So I will be hammering this real hard this week. Yeah, this one's pretty easy to me. It's just such a good value on both sites. I think people are going to look at some, maybe the conversion piece. Look, it, uh, Kyler Murray doesn't project to all of a sudden just become a 70% passer. So I think that's, we probably do need to ding him a little bit, but the, just the volume, you make it up on the volume. If you're just going to see this kind of, these kind of looks with his pedigree, I just think that he is the, you know, is the price, the price is just too low. I, I, I can't imagine he sticks in this price range. I think we're, where there could be a very big game coming for him just with the way that they've been using him. Uh, just to sort of fast forward ahead through some of these other guys, the rest of these guys we talked a little bit about yesterday, they all kind of fall in the same zone for me in terms of just high-targeted t- high teams that are probably going to be playing from behind. Tyler, I have Tyler Boyd and Emmanuel Sanders. Sanders actually leads the league in, in red zone targets for the first two, uh, first two weeks. So uh, that's a nice number you like to see for him. He's only 4,800 on DraftKings. Uh, Tyler Boyd, a little bit more expensive. He went 10 for 10 last week. Uh, you can't imagine, excuse me, he's just not going to keep that kind of conversion uh, and efficiency rate going over the course of the season. And these teams are just going to be playing from behind a lot this season. And I feel like they're just going to, and if you can pick out the two most targeted guys on the team, then I think that you have pretty high floors. I think I'd probably take the Sanders value a little bit more 
over the Boyd piece. Anything to add to either of those two guys? I, I was kind of, kind of fishing in this $5,000 to $6,000 range uh, for wide receivers. No, I think that's the the thing that's just hanging me up right now that unfortunately we maybe don't have perfect answers to is what to do in that absolute lowest tier. I think both Watkins and Fitzgerald are excellent plays. And in some ways that also hamstrings you to certain price points. Like, you know, we actually see this from time to time. When you have too many really good plays, it kind of locks you into a very tight range of, you know, like in basketball, it's like, oh, we just need some $5,000 shooting guard. And then you're like, ugh, but all these guys are terrible. But all these other plays are so great that you could kind of stomach one terrible play. And that's kind of how wide receiver is actually shaking out. When I really look at these lineups with, with a higher degree of scrutiny, I'm like, man, I kind of like these tight ends. Hmm, I like these running backs, and I love Watkins and Fitzgerald. And then you just, when that's the case, you just wind up with only so many dollars left over. Uh, one of the things I'm hoping for, um, and we didn't, uh, didn't address this in the running back section, but... There's some chance that we wind up getting some running back value this week. Uh, you do have a few running backs banged up. The one I'm really keeping my eye on right now is James Conner, who did go down in the second half. Um, and while he's like, quote unquote, confident that he'll suit up, he was a guy that, uh, you know, he's got this knee injury. They have nothing to play for necessarily. I think we could see some uh, Jalen Samuels going into this week too. So, um, you know, definitely still basically just crossing my fingers and hoping for some more value to come out so I don't have to play uh, a $4,800 wide receiver. So that's a long answer. Yeah, and I, and I, I think I, yeah. I nodded to it before with those KC guys too. I think if even one of uh, Williams or McCoy sat, I think we would see uh, increased snaps for the other guy. If both sat, then we get Thompson too. So we are going to wait on that. I think one other guy that I forgot to mention, Nelson Aguilar, if both Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson sit, Aguilar saw a million targets last week with Wentz uh, after those two guys went down. So I think that he at 3,800 would just be just the right kind of guy in draft. 4,800 on FanDuel. I think if those two guys sat, he'd probably be a must play at those price points. Uh, offers a really nice high possession receiver floor uh, and really is not going to cost you all that much, especially if those two guys sat. So um, I think there are these options and we're just going to wait, uh, have to see some of how the rest of the injury situations play out. Roll us real quick through tight ends. Uh, you called it the golden age of tight ends, I, I believe. Uh, walk me through the couple of the options this week, then we'll get out of here. <laughs> sure, too many options, Doug. I don't, I don't even, literally don't even know where to begin, but you got to start somewhere. So I'll start with Zach Ertz. Um, I think Ertz right now, he never feels like the flashiest play just because he's been around for quite a while now. And he, he'll have these weeks occasionally, but in week two, he had 15 targets thrown his way. Um, and granted, you know, injuries had limited Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey. And it, that's, you know, you can't count on anyone for 15 targets a week. You know, Jerry Rice won't get 15 targets a week. So um, Ertz right now, he's like a little bit more expensive than the other guys in this middle tier. But like when you compare him to guys like, say, Mark Andrews, who's, you know, admittedly been excellent in the first two weeks. Um, when you compare him to guys like Evan Ingram, who had his own huge target week earlier in the season, but who's now potentially meshing with a new quarterback, or he is meshing with a new quarterback in Daniel Jones. Do you see Ertz as a, kind of the clear one out of this group, or are you drawn to sort of the siren song of the incredible upside that Mark Andrews has demonstrated? I mean, you know, he's the guy's caught seven, 16 of his 17 targets, so, so it's pretty close there, but I guess... For me, I like Ertz's safety a little bit more than those other guys. 
I think so, and I like I said, I want to probably get some definitive injury stuff on those on the rest of the on just the the rest of the wide receivers for the Eagles. It really doesn't look like they're going to play. I think that, uh, and I think it makes a lot of sense. I think if we saw this kind of target share from a wide receiver, we wouldn't even be thinking twice about it. For some reason, the tight end piece just always throws you a little bit off, just because these guys tend to be less consistent in the offense. They don't tend to be. They just are less consistent in the offense than the other positions, uh, for the most part. And if you saw again, if you saw this target share from a wide receiver, you, we wouldn't even be. We'd, we'd call him a must play, and we would move on. So I think that uh, at sixty nine hundred on Fanduel, I think Ertz is probably worth it. Uh, he is a little bit more expensive. Excuse me, no, he's only fifty seven hundred on DraftKings. Kind of a weird spot salary wise to start getting tight ends. Right now we have double tight ends with Ertz and Andrews and DraftKings. So I don't know if that ends up being the case, uh, but I think that's just where we are. Uh, just in terms of, you know, these guys just do sit head and shoulders above the rest in terms of overall targets. Uh, we want to finish it off here. Any other final th- tight end thoughts? No, I think that's pretty good. I, I think, again, you know, tight end is probably the position that I'll address last with just whatever amount of money I have left over because I think you can make a strong case for these cheaper guys. I still think you can play, like, Travis Kelsey, you know, if the money happens to work out that way. So, yeah, I think Darren Waller comes to mind as well as another guy. If you need to go, if you need to save that extra thousand, I think he's playable against Minnesota. Basically, I think you just have a lot of options. So don't feel like, you know, where some positions, like like I'll feel very unhappy if I don't have Sammy Watkins in my lineup. I won't feel that way if I don't have Ertz. So that's kind of how I'm viewing the position right now. Yeah, I think that sums it up pretty well. All right, we're going to get out of here. We'll be back tomorrow with a game-by-game breakdown for FanDuel and DraftKings. We'll roll through all the injury news. Uh, the news and notes, we rolled through uh, some GPP plays that we can consider, some stacks as well. In the meantime, you can always sign up for the free, uh, excuse me, seven-day trial to our projection system, powered by our good friends over at Lineup Lab. Optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings. Uh, NFL, you can still get a baseball lineup while they're going. 34 days away from NBA season starting, buddy. So uh, that is coming right around the pike. We covered all under the same subscription package. So go check that out, dfsr.com deals. And also rating and reviewing the podcast is also a big help for us if you want to give us just another free way to sort of help uh, just uh, you know, give us a little win behind these sales to quote my good friend Adam Carolla, who's also in the podcasting space. So dfsr.com slash deals, rate and review the podcast. It's all good, buddy. Talk to you again tomorrow when we break down game by game week three for FanDuel and DraftKings. Can't wait.